Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello everyone, my name is Min and I'm your host from NDIS Public Australia and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Today I'm doing a solo presentation, it's been like a year or so since I've done a presentation by myself on a podcast here. I'm going to go over the SDA Provider Experience Survey uh, that was published in August 23, which was only about two months ago, published by the Summer Foundation and the Housing Hub. Uh, They did a survey with about 41 SDA providers who had put through 779 new builds in the last year based on 1,452 places across the 779 new builds. Now, they had done two annual SDA provider experience surveys the last two years. So this is a third third edition of this survey. And obviously, thank you to the Housing Hub and some foundation team for putting this all together. Uh, we ourselves are contributing to, to the next lot for next year and our um, SDA numbers because although we are not an SDA provider itself, we have large volumes of our SDAs that we're creating and not necessarily attached to any SDA provider, which we, sh- we felt should be part of the survey as well. So we've been added to that list as well. So the 2021-2022 previous surveys had revealed high vacancy rates and delayed remittance of SDA payments, uh, which were the main contributing factors to providers being under significant financial pressure. Good point, this one. I've always come across you know, the odd provider here and there, and I've always wondered how they are making money. When they have an office and staff and owners and whatnot, it's always I'm always curious to know how they are making money when it actually takes time to actually deliver product and to procure participants. So that aside, the fact that this survey is saying they are under significant pressure because of those delays of construction and the vacancy rates, obviously because of wrong products out there, creates financial pressure on the business because without the participants and without the products being the houses or the apartments or villas, there are no incomes to to charge their management fees on. So let's continue on here. Um, some providers reported that they were owed millions of dollars in SDA payments from the NDIA, some for more than 90 days. Now, this obviously affects their bottom line when they charge their 125 to 15% um, management fees, but also it impacts upon the investors who are waiting for payments as well, which is uh, not a good thing, obviously. And importantly here in this uh, survey, in this little uh, summary at the very start here, it says, between these 41 providers, which are offering 1,452 places for tenants, a quarter of all the new build SDA dwellings, 21.8%, and places, 22.4%, was the um, breakdown of all that. Now, the key findings of this summary, of this uh, survey, is that a quarter, 25.5% of all the new build SDA places were vacant at the time of the survey. And which is still the common uh, theme for the last two surveys as well. 
um, 25.5% in this one, the 23 survey. In the 22 survey, it was 24%. And in the 21 survey, it was 30% vacancy rate. The point is, the building configurations with the highest vacancy rates were fully accessible apartments, 54.8%, robust houses, 50% vacancy, and robust group homes, 50%. It doesn't surprise me there, having high vacancy built group homes, because we know that most robust participants with psychosocial disabilities cannot share with anyone else. I think someone mentioned to me about a year ago, they said 80% of robust participants who are in the SDA cannot share with anyone else, okay? Which means only 20% can. Next point, the building configurations with the lowest vacancy rates were the HPS apartments at 14%, the fully accessible villas, townhouses, duplexes at 20%, and the robust villa, townhouse, duplexes at 22%, okay? One of the most challenging aspects of filling the new build SDA vacancies was the time the NDA takes to make SDA decisions, which was rated as extremely challenging by 62.5% of providers, which is down from 76% from the, the previous year of May 22. Overall, there was little to no improvement in the various challenges associated with finding tenants and filling vacancies since 21. So nothing has changed with the, um, the difficulty to find participants. Here, next point here, it says, similar to 21 and 22, providers most commonly reported that it takes three to six months to fill a single vacancy and six to 12 months to fill a project group of dwellings in full. Now, I would be curious to know whether that, that also included the 12 months prior to completion of their marketing. What I've noticed a lot in the last three years in this space of SDA is, Although providers tell investors, you got to engage a provider, estate provider early in the piece, or a procurement service, tenancy matching service, it doesn't shock me to hear that, and we see this firsthand actually, a lot of people coming to us or coming to us for a referral to, to talk to and meet or, or engage an estate provider after the house has been completed. And I'm just a little bit shocked sometimes going, thinking, why haven't you sought someone out? Before completion, you've had a year and a half to build this house, and now you're asking for a provider now. Whoever sold you this should have helped you engage a provider to begin with. Now, and, and I have seen firsthand where you, you can tell you can tell them red in the face until they're blue in the face, whatever the, word, the old saying is. But they're just people being people, just being lazy. They just they get around to making a decision to engage a provider. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to engage a SD provider to help you source participants. At least six months, minimum, preferably 12 months before completion of the house or dwelling. Because as we see here, it takes three to six months to fill a vacancy after it's completed. For a whole project, a group of dwellings, it's six to 12 months. So you're talking in theory here, 18, 20, 18 months to fill up a, a, um, a whole house here. Assuming you start marketing, promoting the, the dwelling in the SDA space for, in the community, six to 12 months prior to the um, completion of the property. Moving on, um, most providers, being 78%, were receiving less than the anticipated income for at least some of their SDA places. Interesting. The majority of respondents, being the providers, 65%, reported being owed payments by the NDIA. Almost one-third, 29% of respondents in indicated that the positive outcomes of SDA on people's lives 
was one of the main strengths of the SDA market. Obviously, yes. Okay, so they're the basic points about uh, the summary of this of this um, survey. And I wanted to dig deeper into the um, the numbers just to to show a few other points I've, I've come across here. So with location um, of these uh, of this survey, forty one percent of the respondents SDA supplied in Victoria, followed by New South Wales at thirty six percent, followed by Queensland at twenty six percent, followed by Western Australia twenty four percent. That's in terms of their stock across the um, country there. There's nothing in Tasmania or all the minimal Northern Territory. Uh, with the Victoria, there all the um, survey forty-one um, providers, 17, 16, 17 were from Victoria, fifteen were from New Wales, and eleven were from Queensland. Now the building type here, the most commonly provided building types were three resident houses and one resident villa duplex townhouses. The most least commonly supplied building types were four resident group homes and two resident apartments at 7.7% for two bedrooms and three-bedroom configurations at 5.1%. So it doesn't surprise me because remember you know, the NDIS in started five, six years ago in um, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, there were a lot of four-bed, four-bath, two-car configuration houses for the res- three resident houses. And there were a lot, there were common, um, the villas, the one resident villas out there as well, more so for the um, HBS or the robust ones. So that has been the common product being created the last three to five years across the, across the country. I've seen everywhere, yeah. But as it says here, the least commonly built product was the full resident group homes. So group homes are a dying, dying product. We're not seeing too much of them anymore. What's also rare is also the three-bedroom be- three apartments as well. Moving on, let me just move to the next page here. The design category, the majority of the um, survey respondents were currently providing HBS at 74% and then followed by IL, improvability, at 53% on their, on their um, places there. Fully accessible at 38% and robust at 33%. The fully accessible and robust products had the highest vacancies at 39.5% and 33% respectively. And the HPS had the lowest vacancy at 23.3%. Now, obviously, HPS covers three categories of the four, three of the four, sorry. HPS gives you HPS and FA and IL. So it makes sense that most most providers and SIL and SA providers would prefer to have the HPS up dwelling. If you have an IL dwelling, you're limited to only IL participants. But if you have HPS there, HPS gives you three different types of participants. So... Uh, apartments, villa duplex townhouses, houses, and group homes. A common question that many investors are always asking is the time it takes to lease new build STA properties. From the survey here, 42% of the respondents have said that it takes three to six months to, to fill up a single vacancy and a l- bit longer, being six to 12 months for the group of dwellings or the project itself. Another topic is committed capital to new build STAs. There were pretty much three types of funding sources, investors, super funds, and other capital partners, banks, own capital, and other. Out of 41 respondents, three did not respond to the question. Five indicated they had not committed any capital. The numbers are as follows. $496 million from the category of super funds and other capital partners and investors. Banks had $335 million. Own capital from, these are the providers, $106 million. 
and other being 63 million. So it's good to see the breakdown of the sources of funding coming through. Yeah, it's good to see that. Just gives us a bit of indication as to where the, the funding is coming from. And uh, usually it's a good indication as to who's supporting the sector there. The challenges to filling new build vacancies. Here's a good section to, to review here. This survey also in the investigates challenges related to filling SDA vacancies based on our sample responses. Two aspects stood out as particularly challenging, that being the time taken by the NDIA to make decisions regarding the SDA and the time taken to make decisions about support. These aspects were deemed extremely challenging. Furthermore, um, respondents, 46%, expressed that it was extremely challenging when identified tenants received an SDA determination that did not align with their housing preference or the evidence provided. The time the NDIA takes to make decisions about funding for AT was also felt to be extremely challenging. Okay, interesting to see that part of it. So... To compare all the factors that affect the delays, all the challenges in filling up SDAs, I just want to read a few of these out. Time the NDIA takes to make SDA decisions. Time the NDIA takes to make support decisions. Time the NDIA takes to make decisions about funding for assistive technology. The logistics associated with tenants moving in. Working with support teams to gather quality evidence for SDA determinations. Identified tenants have received an SDA termination that is not aligned to their housing preference or the evidence provided. Working with SIL providers to set up on-site shared support, OSS, and associated funding. Getting funding for assistive technology and modifications in the NDIS plan of identified tenants. So these are all the challenges that providers have to get through just to get their participants approved, ready, and happy to move into the SDA dwelling. So to our investors out there who are listening, it's not so black and white when it comes to finding a participant, getting them funded, moving, moving them in. There's all those other logistics that they have to go through with regards to the NDIA, SIL providers, allied health professionals, behavioural management of their disability, also palatability, personality matching, tendency matching with other participants, working within their rights of choice and control as well, who they want to engage as a provider. What if there's two different participants who are two different providers on site in the house? So there's all these challenges out there that really do affect the process. And there are other challenges here. I want to read something else here. In an open-ended question, the respondents were given the opportunity to comment on additional challenging aspects of their state market. A thematic analysis identified five overarching themes from two, two providers. And it's as follows. Challenges related to SDA, developing SDA, 18.2%. Skills, capacity, and knowledge of the workforce, 18%. Chances with payment systems, 36%. Lack of shared understanding of roles, responsibilities, and expectations, 45%. And chances with funding amounts and processes, 59%. These were all indications of the challenges outside of the, what we talked about earlier. The last part of this uh, podcast, I want to cover two things. One is challenges with filling vacancies. And the other is challenges after filling vacancies. I just want to read a few points out of this document just to give our listeners a bit of an understanding as to how the Housing Hub and Summit Foundation have gathered these, um, these points here. And this is under the uh, challenges with filling vacancies. In the recently released SDA pricing review, the NDIA also indicated some of the ch- vacancies may be attributable to oversupply in some areas and may reflect poor investment decisions that should not be incentivized. 
According to the NDIA, the pricing arrangements shouldn't support a sustainable market by influencing providers' building decisions. However, for SDA providers and investors to be able to make sound investment and building decisions, access to detailed, accurate and up-to-date market information is also needed, which is not currently available in the SDA market. Respondents of this survey indicated that supply and demand information provided by the NDIA often lacks detail and transparency, and that misinformation spread by market spruikers was not adequately addressed. While the Housing Hub and Summer Foundation offer various resources that help shed light on demand supply questions, it is critical that the NDIA, as part of its stewardship role, improve access to much-needed market data. To understand vacancy rates in more detail, for the first time, the SDA Provider Experience Survey also explored differences in vacancies across SDA building types and design categories. This analysis revealed the highest vacancy rates were observed for robust dwellings, particularly houses and group homes, and fully accessible dwellings, particularly apartments and houses. Conversely, the lowest vacancy rates were observed in HPS dwellings, particularly in apartments. Okay, that's a good point there. The reason for these differences in vacancy rates are likely complex and multifaceted. The low vacancy rate in high high physical support properties may be due to providers trying to fill these vacancies by accepting tenants funded for a different design category, such as fully accessible. For example, in previous SDA provider surveys, providers indicated they felt they feel pressure to lease their new SEA to participants with incorrect funding to fill their vacancies, despite this resulting in financial losses. Thus, the lower vacancy rates in HPS dwellings do not necessarily mean that these properties can be easily talented than other design categories. The high vacancy rates in robust houses and group homes may be due to difficulties finding tenants with robust design needs who can live in shared housing. Reports from providers have indicated that because of complex behaviours, most tenants for robust properties need independent rather than shared living arrangements. However, these are not regularly funded. A better understanding of the needs of participants with robust housing need may be required of planners. For example, one provider suggested completely overhaul robust space from pricing to builds. The majority of robust participants require single occupancy when there's not even a priced line item for a single occupancy house. Wow. End of quote. I want to see this section here called Challenges After Filling Vacancies. Let's see what happens here. Even after filling vacancies, SDA providers continue to face financial challenges. Almost all, 78% of providers in the survey, indicated they are receiving a lower income than expected for at least some of their SDA properties. Moreover, the majority of providers, 65%, reported they were owed payments from the NDA for participants living in their new build places. The overdue payments totaled $2 million across 25 SDA providers, of which more than one-third were overdue by more than 90 days. So, some recommendations by the Housing Hub. Uh, let me just read these very quickly. Understand the continually high vacancy rates being reported. Improve the skills of key actors within the SDA market. Accelerate the speed and accuracy of the NDIA processes. Establish an SDA contact team within the NDIA. Improve the SDA data. Provide it to the market to facilitate better decisions by providers and investors based on housing needs and preferences of participants. 
in collaboration with other in collaboration with other government agencies, effectively address misinformation about the SDA market to tackle incorrect perceptions about SDA returns, avoid inappropriate housing being developed. Improve the processes of SDA service bookings by either enabling SDA providers to create service booking themselves. And the last one here is ensure the NDA pays SDA providers. Good point. Ensure that they're paid. So overall, it was a good document to go through today. I hope that our listeners, you, our listeners, have signed up to the um, Housing Hub's email newsletters. And if, if you're not, please do go to the housinghub.org.au website and sign up your email address to receive updates from Summer Foundation or the Housing Hub on their regular research, evidence-based research um, documents, papers like this, to give you a better understanding as to what the overall SDM market is going through in terms of trends, and also just a better, clear, transparent understanding of how things operate. We'll put a link to this document on to the Housing Hub page, to this document, for you to download and look at yourself. But I hope we'll do some more of these paper-based podcast summaries in the future months coming up. Anyway, have a lovely day and uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.